When people use the common phrase, the popular phrase, rocking the boat, you and I know exactly what they mean. We know that most of the time when someone says rocking the boat has nothing to do with an actual boat nor rocking one. It's an idiom. It's a phrase that has a meaning that is not necessarily determined by the meaning of the individual words in the phrase. Rocking the boat is not about most of the time rocking a boat. It's about shaking things up. Rocking the boat is about being disruptive. Rocking the boat is about unsettling the status quo. That's why a lot of times people put the word don't in front of it, right? They say, don't rock the boat, don't rock the boat, don't, just don't, don't do that. Because we don't want things shaken up. We don't want things stirred up. We want things as is. Now here's the deal. Jesus was a very strategic boat rocker. And he did not come to the earth to leave anything as is. He came for a strategic purpose with eternal significance that still matters today. So when Jesus taught, he taught in such a way that seemed disruptive, that actually was disruptive, and he shook things up. That's what we're talking about in this series called Say What? The mind-blowing things that Jesus said. We're focusing in on this one section of his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus was beginning to kind of go through a section where he was shaking things up, rocking the boat. And last week, we saw what Jesus said about anger and how it made people kind of go, say, what? Are you kidding me? Really? And today, we're going to see what Jesus says about the topic of adultery. And again, it's going to be one of those things that kind of makes you go say, what? Are you kidding me? What's that about? Because adultery, huge issue back then, still big issue today. Because in our culture, and you, you will agree with this if you just think about it. In our culture, sex is king. It just is. We're immersed with it. It's inundating, inundating every part of our culture and society. I mean, that's just what just about everything seems to be all about. It's all about sex. Sex sells. Unlike anything else, we know it because we see the ads. We watch the commercials. And we see them use sex and sexiness and sexual things to sell everything from food to clothes, even to automobiles. And, and look at the images. The images. Always seems to be a real sexy person, a sexy woman or a sexy man that's selling whatever it is they're selling. And they look sexy. And they move sexy. See how sexy that move was right there? And, and even the way they talk is sexy. <laughs> It's just out of hand. It's just gotten so out of hand. But seriously and sadly, pornography has reached a level of literal epidemic proportions where it has gotten to a place where it's everywhere. Books, movies, TVs, and the internet, and this right here, the smartphone was a game changer in the pornography industry. And I'm just telling you, it's 
everywhere you look. And this sexual culture is so common, it's become normal to us. I'm telling you, sex is just king in our culture. We don't even see it. We don't even notice it. We've become numb to it. We've become conditioned to it because it's all around us. And if you'll pay attention, you'll realize and you'll see and you'll notice that sex is the main storyline of most of what we see. Or at least it's behind the main storyline of most of what we see. In the books we read, in the movies we watch, in the TV shows that we get into, and we binge watch them, one after the other, people are going from sexual relationship to sexual relationship to relationship to relationship to relationship and sex all throughout with this person then this person and when this you know loses this pizzazz and you know I'm gonna fall in love with someone else and, and then you know and enjoy sex with them and then when it loses this pizzazz I'm gonna go and move on to the next person we just go from person to person to person to person in our culture and we're watching this in our own relationships and in our own marriages, and in our own worlds, we begin to define our relationships by sex. And we begin to do what we see, especially when things are not what we thought or hoped or planned or when our relationships don't mirror what we see in the movies or see in that TV show or have read in that book series we do what we see. We see everybody else going from sexual experience to sexual experience to relationship to relationship, person to person to person to person. So we, in our culture, do the same thing. Go from person to person, relationship to relationship. To the point to where it, that's just almost normal. It's almost just kind of expected. It, it really doesn't even... Us. In fact, it's one of those things that we just kind of chalk up to, well, that's just, that's just life. That's just the way things are nowadays. We are hardly even, here's the sad thing, we are hardly even phased and affected when we hear that someone has had an affair or someone has cheated on their spouse. Yeah, we see it as sad. We see it as unfortunate. But truly, deep down, it doesn't shake us to our core Probably as it should. And this topic of adultery destroys marriages, destroys families, friendships, even people, in ways that you would not expect, but in ways that are very, very real. And if you've been there, or you have been close to it in your life, then you will know that what I'm saying is true, and you will identify with this. Now, sadly, some of you know exactly what that song was describing. But I would say most of you are like, man, that's unfortunate, but that's not me. That's not my reality. That's not really my issue. I, I don't really have a problem with adultery. That's not my story. Well, see, you need to know that Jesus challenges that kind of conventional thinking, the kind of thinking that gives you an out to whatever it is he wants us to pay attention to. And yet again, 
Just like we saw last week with anger, yet again, when we come to this topic of adultery, we're going to see that Jesus shows us that it is literally a matter of the heart. It's not just about the act of adultery itself. Let's turn our attention to what Jesus said as we pick up in that part of the sermon where Jesus said, here's this phrase again, we saw it last week, you have heard... You have heard the commandment that says, you must not commit adultery. Now, Jesus, like we talked about last week, is referring back to the law of Moses. He is giving a nod back to actually a specific part of the law of Moses called the Ten Commandments. And this is in the top ten, the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not commit adultery. And at this point in the sermon, when Jesus says, you've heard it said, thou shalt not commit adultery, Everybody in his audience is going, yep, that's what we know. Yep, that's what we taught. Yep, that's what we have heard. And possibly they're going, check, got it, haven't done that. I'm good to go. And maybe some of you, when you hear this and you read this, you go, whoo, man, I'm good to go. Never done that. But watch. But I say, Jesus said, but I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust, has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Say, what? Okay, look, like even just looks, I mean, lust, adultery, what? What? I, I checked the box, I've never done that. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. It's not just about the act of adultery itself. See, adultery begins, Jesus' point, is that adultery begins long before the act itself, in our hearts. And Jesus said, you need to understand what's going on in here. And not just check the box that, no, I've never crossed that line. No, I've never done that with someone else. No, I've never been unfaithful. I've never had an affair. I've never been untrue in that way. Jesus said the issue here is the issue of a heart. It's lust. And if you have looked at another woman, and he's not just leaving out the opposite, right? He's talking to women about men. Women, if you've looked at another man, so women to men, men to women, if you've looked at anyone with lust in your heart, then you have an adulterous heart. Now the word lust, what is that about? Lust is the desire, the intent that goes beyond just the look. It's the desire and the intent mentally playing it out. Mentally going there in your mind and playing out that sexual experience, that sexual encounter, and that literally does lead to an adulterous state of mind, an adulterous heart. And an adulterous heart, Jesus said, is just as big of an issue to deal with as the act of adultery itself. Again, he's rocking the boat. Again, people are going, say what? Wow. Now, (laughs) Jesus is challenging the understanding or or the idea, rather, that it's okay to look. It's as long as you don't touch. And I, and I hear guys say that. I, I, I hear women say that. It's, it's okay to look. It's okay to look. Just, just don't touch, right? Because it doesn't hurt to look. It doesn't hurt to look. Well, you know what Jesus is teaching us here? That looking 
is never just harmless. That looking leads to more. And he's not saying, don't take it to an extreme. And, and I hate it when people do this, but we're human beings and we like to take things to an extreme. And he's not saying that if you've thought about doing it, then you might as well go ahead and do it because you're just as guilty anyway. That is not what he's saying. If you've you know, undressed that person in your mind, you might as well go ahead and just approach them with a proposition and say, you know, how about it kind of thing. No, no, that's not what he's saying. He's not saying if you've thought about it and played it through in your mind, you're just as guilty as doing it so you might as well go ahead and do it. That's not what he's saying. What he is saying is that even though you've never committed the physical act of adultery does not mean you still don't have an issue in your heart that needs to be dealt with. The issue is lust. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you guys are going, okay, no, wait a second, time out. Say what? Are you telling me that I can't notice a beautiful woman when a beautiful woman walks by? No, it's not what I'm saying at all. I don't think that's what Jesus is saying. Some of you ladies are going, now hold on, you mean I can't, I can't just like, hmm, look at that guy right there. I mean, I can't notice a handsome guy when a handsome guy walks by? No, that, that's not the point. It's not about noticing. It's about what you do after you notice. See, noticing is normal. It's the look again. It's when the look turns into want. And then that becomes a choice which leads to lust, which gives birth to an adulterous state of mind in your heart. It's like the old saying that you may not be able to stop a bird from landing on your head, but you can certainly keep him from building a nest there. Yeah, it's, it's not about just noticing. It's about what you do after you notice. There's a beautiful woman. There's a, be there's a handsome man. There's a good-looking person. It's what you do next. And here's what I think Jesus is getting at. Let me boil it down just to an idea that I think we can get our, our minds around that gets to the heart of what Jesus is teaching. And it's this right here. You and I need to pay attention to our attractions. Pay attention to your attractions. Pay very close attention to what's going on inside of you. Attractions will come. They will come without warning and without permission. But it is what you do with your attractions that become matter of the heart. What you do with your attractions is always a heart issue, the real issue. The real issue of what's going on inside of you is determined by what you do next after you notice your character, your integrity, who you truly are on the inside. And so no, it's not about going to extremes and saying, well, you mean I can't notice a good-looking man or a beautiful woman? No, 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 no. It's not about the noticing. It's about what you do next. It's about what's going on on the inside of you. It's about your intent and your desire to cross a line with that person in your mind, in your eyes, with your internal desires. 
And just because you and I may have never committed the physical act of adultery does not give us an out because there is a heart issue playing underneath the surface that is just as big of a deal and needs to be dealt with. That's what Jesus is getting at. Pay attention to your attractions. Stop looking at him and look at your heart. Stop looking at her and look at your heart. Jesus is clear. None of us are exempt here, too. Men, women, young, old, none of us are exempt. Married, single, married again, single again, none of us are exempt. Because the issue is not just the act of adultery itself. The issue begins in the heart with lust. None of us are exempt, not even Christians. In fact, this is where Satan often will target followers of Jesus the most. Because it's an area that so many are susceptible and that all of us can relate to. It's a common temptation, a strong temptation, a dangerous temptation. None of us are exempt. And about the time you think you have checked the box, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. You need to pay attention to the attractions that are going on in your heart. Because it could just be that even though you've never gone through the physical act, that you have an adulterous heart. And maybe at this point, you're thinking, well, is there anything we can do? Is there anything I can do? Is there anything any of us can do to kind of fight this, to kind of push this back and, 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 and kind of stop this from going into a destructive, dangerous place? Yes, there is. And I am so glad that you asked. We're getting ready to talk about it. Okay, so what do we do? What can we do? How do we fight against lust? Is there something that we can put into place in our life to help us pay attention to our attractions? Yes, absolutely. And Jesus goes there. But here's a warning. What Jesus is getting ready to say next, after he just said, hey, listen, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery, but I say... Even looking with lust at someone else means you have an adulterous heart and it needs to be addressed. After he made that, like rocking the boat statement, he continues to rock the boat with a say what kind of statement that's for years made me kind of scratch my head and, and gets to a place where I think a lot of followers of Jesus read this and go, what is this about? We're going to see what it's about together because I think if we understand it in this context We'll see it pretty clearly. So here's what Jesus says we should do. So, if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, because that's what the context is, what he's talking about, gouge it out and throw it away. <laughs> and say, what? <laughs> yeah, because it's better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body to be thrown into hell. We'll come back to that. And if your hand... Even your stronger hand causes you to sin. Cut it off and throw it away. Because it is better for you to lose one part of your body, here it is again, than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Now, what in the world is Jesus saying here? Again, I, I, remember, it makes you go, say what? 
Now, we saw this last week. When Jesus was talking about anger, he referenced the fires of hell. And here he is now saying, here's what you need to do to deal with your lust, okay? Now, gouge out your eye, uh, cut off your, your hand, your strong hand, your, you know, your right hand, however you want to read that and understand that, your dominant hand. We'll get to that in a minute. It is better for you to, to do that than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. So here's the deal. Jesus, once again, is using a word that's translated hell, the word Gehenna, referring to a physical place outside the walls, the city of Jerusalem, a physical place, the Valley of Hinnom, or the Valley of Hinnom, which was a trash dump where people took trash and they burned their trash. It was a place where for years executions were done. It was seen as an evil place, a dark place, a place of destruction, a place where you didn't want your mama catching you hanging out after school. It was one of those places that you wanted to avoid, and it represented destruction. So what Jesus is saying is you don't want to go down a path where your whole body, literally your whole life, is destroyed and you face destruction. He's not talking about the traditional, you know, you're going to go to hell when you die, and you're going to burn forever and ever and ever. And here's another reason we know. Not just he used a different word, Gehenna, but also we've talked about this. You and I both know, as followers of Jesus, that followers of Jesus can struggle with lust, and that followers of Jesus, Christians, can commit adultery. So if Jesus is saying that, hey, listen, you commit adultery, you're going to hell, then what's that mean for Christians who are going to heaven? So that's not what he's talking about. He's saying this is going to lead you down a path of destruction. So it would be better for you to pluck out your eye or cut off your hand. So what is that about? What is that about? Here's what I believe Jesus is getting at. By saying pluck out your eye or cut off your hand, Jesus is saying you need to be willing to make a sacrifice you need to be willing to make sacrifices in your life, inconvenient ones, uncomfortable ones, in order to protect your heart from the lust that will lead you down a destructive path into a place in your life where your whole life can be destroyed. And not just yours, but those you love. I think that's what Jesus is getting at here. And he's saying, listen, you, you do what you got to do. You make the sacrifices that need to be made to protect your heart from the dangers and the destruction of lust. Now, I think the reason he pointed out even your good eye or your dominant eye, your right eye, and even your strongest hand, I think he's making a point to say, even if you have to make a painful sacrifice, do without something that is greatly difficult to do without. To greatly inconvenience yourself if necessary. That's how big of a deal lust is. That's how dangerous and destructive it can be. Jesus said, make the sacrifice. Make the sacrifice. So that, pay attention to your attractions to the point of making sacrifices, or here's another word, starts with an S, to help you remember, to put safeguards into place, to help protect your heart from going down the dangerous path of lust that will lead you to an adulterous heart 
which is just as big of a deal as the act of adultery itself, because it still needs to be dealt with. Sacrifices. Making sacrifices and putting safeguards into place. In other words, there may be some things you need to begin to do in your life to protect your heart from lust. Some things you need to stop doing. Some changing of some behaviors. It could be that you need to establish some new habits. It might be that you need to establish some boundaries. Here's some things I will not do anymore. Here's some things that I'm going to start doing from now on. You might need to consider how you need to inconvenience yourself and make some sacrifices, even inconvenient, painful, uncomfortable ones, to protect yourself and those you love from the destructive powers of lust and where an adulterous heart can lead. Now, personally, um, I'm not exempt from this. I've already made that clear. None of us are. And, and I've done my best to, and continue to try to do my best to put safeguards in my own life as a, as a pastor. Uh, just a couple examples. For years, it's been my policy that I don't go to lunch with women. Um, one-on-one, just me and another woman for, you know, even a staff woman, we, we don't go to lunch. We don't, it's just a safeguard put into place. Not because I don't trust women. Not because I think I'm really good looking and women are drawn to me. No, no, it's not that. It's just, it's a safeguard. It's a safeguard. Um, I, I don't counsel one-on-one, face-to-face, person-to-person with women. I don't do counseling like that. I, it's just a boundary. I just don't do it. Um, it's, it's, it's just something I have decided. There's another example. And I'm not perfect at this. Um, but here's some safeguards. I'm not saying I got it all figured out. But when I'm watching TV with my wife or my family or, and I'm, or I'm at a movie and I see something on the screen that is sexually explicit or an inappropriate sexual scene or sexual whatever, um, I just turn my head. I, I try to look away. And Donna lets me know, okay, you can look now. Okay, yeah, you can look now. You're like, oh, that's silly, that's stupid. Okay, you're free to think that. And I don't make a big deal about it. I'm not like, oh, my eyes, my eyes, my eyes. No, I just, I just look away. Why? Because in that small way, it can make a big difference to put a safeguard around my heart, around my eyes. So I'm careful what I let in. I'm careful what I let in. I'm careful what I let in, and we need to be careful and put some safeguards into place. Make sacrifices if necessary. You're thinking, man, that's ridiculous. Do you know what I would have to change if I did that? It's called a sacrifice for a reason. It's not convenient. It's not easy. It's not comfortable. It's not even popular. So what safeguards do you need to put in place? What sacrifices do you need to make for the sake of your marriage, for the sake of your family, for the sake of your own life? Because Jesus said it's worth some sacrifice. (laughs) Because if you don't pay attention to this, your whole body, your whole life can be destroyed. And you will take others down with you, those you even love. So what sacrifices and safeguards do you need to put into place? Hey, parents, what sacrifices and safeguards do you need to help your children begin to establish and put in place? Before they're mature enough to protect their own heart, what can you do? 
to help protect what they see in here and what they let inside of here. Because remember, paying attention to your attractions is really a matter of the heart. So pay very close attention to what you're attracting, where your attractions lead you, what your attractions bring you to, so that you can be aware of what's going on in the place that matters the most, in the place that affects everything else in your life, and that is what's going on inside of you in your heart. That was Jesus' primary concern. He wasn't concerned as much about the boxes people could check and not. He was concerned with their heart. Let's ask God right now to help us with the heart of this matter and to help us put some sacrificial safeguards into place to help protect our hearts from the destructive patterns and the destructive path of lust. Father, we thank you for this difficult, challenging teaching And it does rock the boat. And it does unsettle things. And it does make us go say, what? May we not get distracted with the um, severity and the, the forcefulness of what you said. But help us to hear what you said and what it means for us. Help us to pay attention to our attractions. Pay attention to what's going on in our hearts. And help us to pay very close attention to what we decide to do next after we notice someone that's handsome or someone that's beautiful or someone that we are attracted to. Father, may we pay attention to lust so that our hearts do not become adulterous. Whether or not we've ever checked the box and gone through with the act of adultery itself. Your concern is inside of us. Your concern is at the level of the heart first and foremost, before anything else. Because that, what happens in the heart, affects everything else. And we'll determine whether or not, in time, we may or may not ever commit the physical act of adultery. What happens in our heart will determine the outcome of even that. So, Father, we need your help. Help us to pay attention to what's going on inside of us. In Jesus' name, amen.